time flies, kiddo. I'll tell you. It, it, it's I can't ever believe it's been 25 years since uh, my first broadcast uh, with Greg Kalish and Mike Nelson, wow. actually, back when. October 21st, 1995, at Coast Guard Academy. I got to do the second half of the game with Greg as color commentator for that game. And uh, Lord knows I'm much better play-by-play than color commentator when it comes to football. What happened to the first half, Frank? <laughs> well, Mike Nelson actually did the first half. So we both uh, got okay. a chance to... Uh, tag uh, Tag team? Or audition even, a live audition, because Greg was graduating oh. that year, who later became a fraternity brother of mine. I actually pledged his oh. fraternity when I was a senior. Cool. So uh, if you want to talk about everything coming full circle in life, but uh, hello to Greg if he's out there, and thanks again for everything he did to help me out along the way. Uh, started my uh, time at Union doing basketball pre-recorded to sort of get my feet wet, but that was my first foray into uh, doing football. And 25 years later now... Um, <laughs> I shouldn't say it's been a blessing for everybody that I've stuck around. But <laughs> we'll, we'll just say yeah, it's, well. been, it's been real. Uh, it's been, it's been an experience. Yes, yeah, it has. Mm-hmm. Um, Quite. You know, JB, everybody asks the question, why Division Three? Why didn't you go pursue something else or something higher up? First off, I ain't that good. Uh, so there was no way that was going to happen. Uh, but beyond that, folks... Division three is a passion uh, for me. And noticing my uh, sound uh, going down here, so I, I should uh, by now, twenty five years later, know how to control my own sound uh, on my my. Maybe it's the, the new shirt. It's the new in the huddle shirt. Apparently, it's just like it's just emanating all this stuff. We got some new swag for uh, season thirteen. I like it, Frank. Where's mine, man? Uh, we are getting those too. We're getting some uh, new color as well because uh, we thought blue might be a good color. Sending it to our friend Russell Terry down there in uh, Alabama. But um, Division Three has been a, uh, a real, I-, I think, learning experience for me generally about the importance of certain aspects of sports that we don't really always see or hear about uh, in this day and age. I, I just think that it's, you you learn about something called the love of the game, really and truly, when it comes to Division Three. Why are they playing it otherwise? Because they're not going to generally go anywhere with it, except for certain small exceptions out there. And it, it's just been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure getting to know the players, getting to know the coaches along the way, the families as well, at Union and other places. And it's kind of ironic that we're going to start my on-the-road uh, segments with Union in the show. Little tease coming up there. But Full circle, yeah. It really is. But JB, you know, I think you do it for the same reasons. Uh, you've been, you were a player, I think, before I even got onto the uh, radio back when uh, in the the nineties. What, what's your experience, Ben? Let's stop talking about me. What's your own experience of the reason why you're still doing it? Yeah, I think uh, at the end of the day, it, it really has a lot to do with the um, the players and the families that are really just doing it because uh, they love the sport of football. They do it because they love their um, small colleges and, and universities that they attend and, and that they build this uh, strong bond with the, the local um, college community and with, with each other. And it's just fun to be able to shed a little bit of light on that. Um, you know, you, there's plenty of 
big time outlets uh, for the the ESPNs and the SEC networks of the world, and it's certainly you know, great that uh, those bigger schools have have that type of coverage. And so, if even just doing this for for a little bit of uh, you know fun on, on you know from time to time helps uh, you know get the word out about some interesting people and and. Um, programs and and just places around uh the, the country uh hey the, I'm, I'm in and i've i've loved doing it for the last uh, 12 13 years hey look we, we've gotten to a point where we can have our own branded logo gear our own merch as they call it uh, out there if we want to be hip which we really shouldn't try to be hip because we're beyond that age of hipness at this point but um you know it, it's great to be something in this D3 world, to be known as somebody who contributes toward it, not for the notoriety of it, but more to let us know that we've mattered in making their lives matter ultimately. That's why we do get out there to the degree we do. We spend our own money on this, folks. Uh, Let's just be honest about this. We don't take a dime for what we do. Um, you know, there are going to be organizations like, like D3Football.com is going to be having a fundraiser soon. And we, we implore you to give to that because obviously with yeah, the season, yeah. Pat's, uh, you know, and Keith and all them are going to need some help to make it through, you know, keeping the lights on because the site's still there, but they still have to pay money for it ultimately. So yeah. please, when you see something like that, give to it. For all the times you might want to give to us, give to them. Uh, and we will continue doing what we do yeah. for free. Uh, you know, we're we're not going to go to a Patreon membership thing or anything like that at this point, at least. Nah. Uh, but just understand, we do it for the love of the game. We do it for you. Twenty five years later, I think I could say that. Special thanks to Eric Ren for starting the show twelve years ago with me, and special thanks to this guy for uh, joining me all these years and keeping me kind of on my toes and uh, on my feet in this whole thing because without you guys, uh, Eric and you, James, uh, you know, I I don't know if I would have stuck it out, but having you guys uh, to really enjoy Saturdays and D3 football with, even from afar, has been a game changer for me as well. And thanks to everybody who has ever contributed to this show in terms of showing showing up on it or, you know, giving us uh, clips or anything else throughout the years. You guys have made a huge difference to keep this show alive and to keep our interest level in it enough to do this year after year. I wish we had more football to talk about, but still, this is In the Huddle. So, okay, uh, enough about us, and uh, that will keep this on the uh, screen for uh, the remainder of the show, so that you understand it's the 25-year anniversary and that I'm old. That's basically all it's telling you at this point. But in this show, we're going to talk about uh, the games that got played so far. Uh, Trine has played two games. Adrian, Manchester, and Bluffton uh, is going to be uh, the end complement of this whole thing. Uh, so we're going to go through all of these uh, different scores that we've seen. Uh, it, it's kind of sad that we're pretty much run out of games, uh, you know, to a certain yeah. degree here. Except Secretary's Cup coming up, but 
uh, you know, we want to look through that football that got played. We'll have Alex Price, sophomore quarterback from Trine, join us to talk about the experience. Because, look, they've got something they can talk about that most other schools can't in this country right now. Yeah. Division three. So uh, what happened? Yep. How did it go? What's what's the thought and the advice for schools that didn't go this far or even nearly this far uh, so far? He has some really interesting observations that he provides to us, ultimately. And I, I fully agree with what he says. You'll want to watch that. We will uh, also be talking about what happened at Occidental a little bit, uh, canceling their program. We'll go a little deeper into that later in the show. We're going to do my first yeah. on the road, as I uh, said in the tease of the uh, beginning of the show, uh, at Union College. So uh, happy to be kind of uh, going over there to see where it all started, except it started at Coast Guard, but you get the point uh, that that was my uh, school. <laughs> I was on the radio for back when uh, yep. and get to, got to talk to Coach Behrman and some players. And uh, then uh, we're going to just look at the overall news and some ideas uh, that people are having here. Uh, we got a uh, Twitter message from a good friend of ours about, hey, you remember those pro days that were kind of gone ultimately that D3 players yeah. needed to enjoy? You know, somebody had a great idea in our mailbox, and we'd like to get some people like you uh, viewers behind it a little bit. So stay tuned to the end of the show. We have a lot of stuff to cover. JB, before we do, before we go into crunch time, which we this will be the only time this season I think we may do crunch time. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, we'll, we'll at least get one of these in. Uh, yeah. You know, you've been watching, yeah, you've been watching these games uh, when they've been played, even closer than I have uh, been watching them. I can tell that it's something that's kind of like a cathartic type situation for you. That you're at least getting a satisfaction of knowing somebody out there is getting to play when you've been providing me details as the Saturdays have gone on that this has happened the last few weeks. Yeah, it just kind of makes you wonder what if. Um, what if we didn't completely cancel everything and, and went about the approach and, and start that we saw a lot of schools, uh, my own alma mater included, had a very solid plan uh, with a September 26th or an October uh, 2nd kickoff, uh, testing regulations put in place, um, certain things to ensure the health and safety of the players. I mean, watching these uh, watching these programs out in out in Michigan and Indiana um, be able to pull it off is, on one hand, uh, a real you know positive. It was great to see. I mean, I'd I'd either been watching or playing D three football for almost thirty years, Frank, because my my freshman season was ninety two. Um, so you know, this was the first yeah uh, the first year in almost three decades where there wasn't. Uh, any division three football really to be played up until the point, um, you know, I got to see the Adrian Trine game and it was, it was kind of cathartic to tune in on an October Saturday and see some, you know, small colleges going at it. And I tell you what, the Adrian uh, broadcast team uh, does an outstanding job. Great uh, video coverage, play-by-play, uh, -play, the whole thing it was really professionally um, produced, especially because I think it was mostly all students. I mean, you know, there were a few hiccups here and there. You know, the camera didn't quite catch up right right off the bat. But, hey, these are a bunch of 18, 19, 20-year-old kids that were you know, running their first game, and they did a, a really outstanding job. And then, yeah, with some of the other games, a little more – uh, lopsided the the second game, you know, Trine's defense really just put a hurt on the, on the, on the Manchester. So hey, what are you going to do? Um, but you know, at least there was some games that were held, and uh, 
Maybe in the spring there'll be more. I'm still a little skeptical about that. We'll talk about it a little, little more later on in the show because our friends at the NCAA haven't really said or done anything to make things easier. Um, still very D1, top of the house focused, and uh, that doesn't necessarily work out well for the other you know 400 some odd schools that are in Division Three below. Well, we will get to that first. So let's talk about football. And that means we're going to crunch time for weeks one, two, and three of the 2020 college football season in Division Three. And again, we're in crunch time here, starting with the first game of the season, and that is Trine versus Adrian. Adrian with the quality uh, production, as uh, you had stated, I think, earlier. And uh, Trine had started the scoring in a very ominous way right here. Oh, no trouble on the kickoff, and the Thunder have the football. He is gone. Phone that one back to Indiana. It's going to be a touchdown for Trine University. Wow, what a play on the blocked kick. That missed field goal led to that 84-yard Aaron Dean touchdown, making it 7-0 in favor of Trine. Then Zane Kirby, who had quite a day, had a 7-yard touchdown run later in the first quarter to make it 14-0 Trine. Eventually, uh, there would be a little bit of a back-and-forth going on, and uh, before halftime, uh, it would become a 28-20 to 20 game in this interesting exchange where Trine, with 54 seconds left, scores on a 9-yard Kale Lawson uh, pass from Alex Price. And then Gage Palis uh, catches a 23-yard pass from Jack Werzer just really 35 seconds later for Adrian to make it 28-20 to 20 at halftime after the missed extra point. In the third quarter... Here's Jimmy Clark and, and Jack Werzer. for Adrian College. Three out wide, two on the close side. Werzer wants to throw the football. Pressure coming, working left. Check down pass complete. Lots of space. Makes the man miss. Free towards the end zone, and he's in. Touchdown, Adrian College. An exhilarating catch and run with five and a half to go in the third quarter. It's 28-26. Bulldogs down by two. But trying does answer here 42 yard line of the bulldogs price wants to throw lets a bomb go right side caught and that's a score for the trying university thunder 34 27 the tally with 326 left in the contest what a big throw and catch so after that 28 27 scare it became 35 27 and trying takes control for the rest of the game 44 27 Trine beats Adrian Zane Kirby with 29 rushes, 141 yards, three touchdowns. Alex Price, 129 yards passing and two touchdowns. Although Jack Werzer for Adrian, uh, no slouch in that game with 231 yards passing and three touchdowns. And Adrian outgained Trine 394 to 322 in that game, JB. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, uh, Adrian was hanging in there until, unfortunately, a special teams mistake with about five minutes left in the game gave Trine the opportunity to put it away. Uh, A fumble after a punt um, return was picked up by Aaron Dean at the Adrian 14-yard line, made it pretty easy for Zane Kirby and company to rush in and and push the score to 42-27 to uh, with uh, about – 
four minutes left in the game. That was pretty much it. But you have to give uh, both teams credit to playing, and it was a really exciting game to watch. Uh, certainly, you know, for me, the old D3 football guy, um, hadn't seen any any action in 2020. This game certainly lived up to it. It was a very exciting back-and-forth battle. I'm not going to call you old. I'm just going to call you uh, a resource of information. That's what I'll call you from experience. here. Experience. That's it. Yeah. I like that. Speaking about experience, uh, you know, Trying did have experience after that first game and really took it to Manchester in the second game of the season, which was on October 10th. A 37-0 final against Manchester. Trying outrushed Manchester 282-49 in that game. And the defense forced two turnovers, three sacks, and a 50-yard pick-six return, among other things. Uh, 37-0 final. Uh, in that game. So try and move to 2-0. More on that in a little bit. But another entertaining game was played on the 17th of October, and this was the only game on the 17th, even though two were originally scheduled. And in the first quarter of that game, uh, Stephen Moses had a nice little run. In the gun, two receivers, one on either side. There's the give right up the gut to Moses again. Pinballs off a defender and finds his way down the field into the end zone. What a run! So eventually, Adrian made it 12-0 to toward the end of the first half, but Manchester had a seven-minute drive, 16 plays in nature, but could only get to the two-yard line with three seconds left. They choose to kick the field goal, and it is good. Andrew Kibler with that field goal makes it 12-3 to at halftime. In the third quarter, though, after a touchdown, Jack Werzer going to Luke Hyde from 19 yards out earlier in the third quarter, making 19 to three. This play right here just changed the entire game, or not changed it, but actually sealed it, I'd say, for Adrian. He's sacked, and the football hits the turf. Bulldog defender has it, no whistle. The big man can go. The defensive lineman trying to take it to the end zone, and he will. Unbelievable. That 60-yard DeAndre Jennings fumble recovery, or the scoop and score as we call it, they hit 26-3, the final 41-10, Adrian. Three interceptions, including that 60-yard scoop and score. Jimmy Clark had 10 rushes for 110 yards and a touchdown for Adrian. Manchester's Bryce Tomasi, though, had 22 for 34 passing for 158 yards. And that 41-10 score, Adrian comes away with the win and moves to 1-1 on the season. Manchester at 0-2. Adrian still with one more game, though, at least scheduled against Bluffton on the 24th. That's this coming Saturday. And remember, one final game posted that uh, we're still hoping will go through is Secretary's Cup game, he said. That's Coast Guard at Merchant (laughs) Marine on November 14th. But final thoughts real quick on that Adrian Manchester game. Yeah, I mean, it was really a tale of two halves, but ultimately, you know, Manchester was undone by the four turnovers, three interceptions, a fumble, the, you know, the scoop and score. And, and really the, you know, the game did turn as you, as you stated um, from that 60 yard fumble recovery. So, I mean, after that, it was kind of uh, the Bulldogs went off to the races. Uh, I mean, they outgained uh, Manchester by a, about 100 yards total, uh, but for the most part, it's really the turnovers and, and the rushing yard differential is huge. 251 uh, for the Bulldogs to Manchester's 63. Uh, definitely a strong defensive performance uh, by Adrian, who initially you know held Manchester to just a field goal and, and kind of pretty much kept it that way until kind of late in the game they got a they got a you know sh- a short touchdown pass off a, a short possession uh, kind of in garbage time. But uh, nice win for Adrian nice bounce back after losing a tough fought contest to try a few weeks prior 
And that is crunch time for the unofficial weeks one, two, and three of the 2020 fall football season in Division Three. Okay, coming out of uh, crunch time here, we do want to go back to talk about something we uh, kind of tease, and that is the fact that Trine started at 2-0, and and uh, they, they are trying to take national champion honors uh, right now for the 2020 <laughs> fall football season. And they hey, you know, why not? We'll see who wins the uh, Secretary's Cup game. Maybe we can uh, make get a matchup on like the 21st or something to see what we can do if travel restrictions would allow. Uh, you know, somebody's going to take me seriously when I say that, and I actually think that's a real thing. You're so I should be careful. Happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? We wanted to talk to a player from uh, Trine for a number of reasons. First, how do we get this game to play or these games to play uh, as it stands? They tried to play five games, got two of them that we highlighted uh, Mm -hmm. there in crunch time, the two they got. Uh, And uh, somebody who actually was a leading force in those games was sophomore quarterback Alex Price. Now, often schools aren't brave enough to put a sophomore in front of us or a freshman in front of us. Uh, Trine didn't hesitate. They actually said, hey, we want him to go. And you're going to see in this interview why. Because he is a very poised young man. And uh, he's leading this team for a good reason right now. So let's go to that interview. JB, uh, 2-0 start uh, is probably going to be, uh, quote-unquote, the best start uh, for the 2020-2021 campaign we're going to get to talk about for a while because uh, they play two games and have won both of them, and nobody else is going to have that claim, I don't believe, here. Alex Price, Trine University quarterback. The sophomore uh, joins us here. Alex, first off, congratulations. I mean, look, we've got nothing really to compare anything to right now, but it still says something about you and your team that you could win both of those games this season. How does it feel having taken the field this season, something a lot of teams can't claim and a lot of players out there wish they could claim right now? Uh, Well, thank you, first off. And, um, you know, I think it's really uh, special that we got to take the field this year. I think it uh, says a lot about our university and how much they care about football and doing what was right and safe for us. So... I mean, I think to all the guys can agree with me, like it was special that we're the only 2-0 team in the nation right now. So, I mean, just in that in itself is pretty, pretty remarkable. Indeed. Uh, And, uh, you know, this is one of those things where you guys had actually planned out five games, it looked like, uh, on the schedule. Uh, The next game, quote unquote, uh, is not going to play. So we we know you're kind of firm at 2-0 at this point, unless, uh, uh, you know, something gets scheduled in the future, which I, I doubt at this point because of everything that's going on. But at what point did you realize you would actually get to play games? Because we... You know, we saw lots of schedules and uh, proposals and whatnot come through from different conferences and teams. At what point were you like, yeah, this is real? Um, I think when it was like, oh, we're playing is like when we got on the field at Adrian. Like we're all kind of like we knew it was going to happen, but we're like there's been so much uncertainty this year and uh, teams canceling us. It was really never our fault. But it happened a lot. So, I mean, we were all like, till the first whistle blows, like, that's when it's real to us. So, yeah. 
Alex, what was some of the kind of communications that you got either from the coaching staff or perhaps the, you know, the administration at Trine? Um, you know, clearly uh, your conference is primarily in, in Michigan, although for the folks at home, um, Trine is located in the northeastern corner of Indiana with Ohio and, and Michigan at its borders. Uh, was it was it kind of a combination that the school was just said, hey, you know what, guys, we're going to try and make this happen as much as possible. Here are the things that we're putting in place to uh, provide as safeguards to the extent this, the extent possible. Tell us a little bit about, about what that experience was like and and uh, kind of leading up to that the actual game that you had. Um, so in the summer when the MIAA came out with their announcement that they were uh, postponing the fall season, we got a text message right after saying, don't freak out, guys. Like, Trine has its own announcement coming in a couple hours or whatever it was. So that was when we found out, like, hey, we're we're going to try to play this fall. And, um, I mean, it took a lot. I mean, I don't know what it took, but I'm assuming it took a lot of work from the coaching staff and the athletic director and just the university as a whole to actually get to play these games. So, I mean, we just had to go through testing every week which it got better as it went on. You just get used to it. So it really wasn't that bad. But, um, you know, it was just a lot of um, uncertainty, I guess, you know, because we've never had to do this. No one would have expected this to happen or really last this long. So, I mean, you can't fault anyone on it because it's uh, something we've never seen before. We went through the highlights earlier of the show of uh, the uh, games that uh, you've played. Uh, the first game, though, the Adrian game, every time we've, you know, prognosticated on what spring football or fall football might look like for any teams that would play it, we, we assumed a certain level of, boy, this is going to be some kind of rickety football uh, going on because of the lack of spring practices that uh, occurred or didn't occur throughout the country. Um, the lack of fall practice ability is a full team uh, at times. And it feels like when you look at the box score, and it's to my right over here, so excuse me for looking off screen, but... Uh, 28-27 became the score midway through the third quarter. Adrian was really uh, pushing toward you guys uh, pretty hard uh, in that game uh, when you were on the road over there. Uh, and then you guys responded. What was going on in that game? Was it a case of you had some kinks you needed to work out offensively and then you know you guys kind of got your traction back after that 28-27 score? Take us through that game a little bit. Um, so for the Adrian game, the week prior, we actually had to take a little break because the we just thought it was a safe thing to do. So we only got two days of practice before the game. And I thought we came out and we played really well for considering the um, amount of practices we had before that. But I think that just shows to prove how good we've been doing prior to that. And we were practicing hard and really getting in a groove. So when we left and came back, we were still in that groove. So I think for that game, we did have a little uh, small things to um, figure out on offense, but I think we really, uh, near the, once we made the adjustments and got near the fourth quarter, we really, we really shut them out and didn't give them a chance to come back. And JB, uh, you know, the uh, thing about, you know, just shutting them out at the end of the third quarter and uh, fourth quarter, that continued into that Manchester game next. I know you were uh, watching that game, JB. Well, it's been interesting. I mean, I know that the um, Trine University mascot 
is the Thunder, I believe. And so a lot of times when you have these dual running back situations of Thunder and Lightning, um, Alex, you've got a couple running backs. Uh, Zane with a with an X, uh, I believe. Uh, Kirby is wow. a, a freshman running back. He might have the best hair in Division Three at the moment. Um, pretty solid wow. flow a- action going on for him. And then in the second game, um, even though Zane had three touchdowns against Adrian, we saw Devontae Jones kind of take the lead. You got a you know a pretty loaded backfield. Was the was was Kirby's sort of breakout game against Adrian kind of in the plan? And then you know they used him more of as a decoy uh, in in the second game, or is it just one of those things where the guy gets hot, you just you know ride the hot hand? Tell us a little bit about you know how it's how nice it is for you <laughs> to have such a strong running game. Um. So all of our backs are very talented, and we we really have a deep backfield. So uh, Kirby played really well in the Adrian game, and it was just kind of like who had the hot hand. I mean, both running backs were averaging about five yards per carry. But then uh, first quarter of the Manchester game, he uh, hurt his ankle. So he was out for that game. And then Devontae just stepped up, and he played really well. And, I mean, I think it shows you how talented of running backs we have here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it looks like yeah, we got to throw good. We got to give some love to the uh, to the defense, Frank, because they held Manchester to forty nine net yards rushing. Um, they definitely they had to throw the ball a little bit because they were trailing the whole time. But man, great defensive performance by the Thunder D, which I'm sure you've gotten to know pretty well practicing against the last couple seasons. Yeah. Hey, Alex. Uh, looking forward. Uh, Trine is uh, expected to play some level of spring football. Uh, we're not sure what that's going to look like uh, across the country. We'll be talking about that in the show, about what the whole landscape is starting to shape up like, looking at what's happening in the basketball conferences across the country right now in Division Three. But if indeed you guys do play, what value did having these two real games have for what your team would face down the line? Now, obviously, there's no championships beyond conference possible championship to play for this year but what does this do for even a sophomore like you that's got at least two more years depending on what they do to calculate what's going to go on with your uh, time but you've got at least two more years to go at trying uh, likely as quarterback if you keep playing this way what do these two games mean to you for the 2021 spring campaign in and beyond um you know I think these two games are really um, important as a team because uh, we just got that much more experience. Practice is is good. Obviously, you need it, but there's nothing that quite um, prepares you and gives you experience like a game does. So with that, I believe that as a team, we're just a couple steps ahead of everyone else. So just having those games were really beneficial to us. Agreed to that. I, I think uh, nobody would uh, deny you that. Let me ask you a follow-up, though. There is such a discontinuity across the country in schools yeah. not playing even that in terms of what they're allowing their student-athletes to do in this fall practice time or what, what have you. Some schools, in fact, have a lockdown of their athletic facilities completely. Uh, we uh, were talking about this uh, in the show at some point. And there are others that are practicing regularly. What message do you have for those schools? You were telling us about the testing. You're telling us about the uh, precautions taken and everything. 
What message do you have for the schools out there that are taking the very hyper, I don't want to call it overprotective because that's kind of a you know biased statement mm-hmm. to say it like that, but you get where I'm going with it, a lack of a better term. It, yeah. You know, very high lockdown level of those campuses. Can college football be played in a safe manner, even just at a practice level? Make the case for it for the schools that are out there really, I think, torn about what to do right now with their student athletes. Um, So I believe that if you're taking the right measures and doing everything you should be doing and following the precautions, you can absolutely play college football right now in a safe manner. You do the testing, you social distance, you might lose out on the college experience a little bit, but I mean, these student athletes came to school to play their sport. So let them play their sport. And I think if you do it safely, you can absolutely play. Before we let you go, Alex, just real quick. I mean, I know you're from uh, Reading, Michigan. Uh, Other than the fact that you know, Trine had won 21 games between this 2017 and 18 seasons. Was it just this kind of the, the close proximity to, to home um, that attracted you to the school? Uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, what brought you to Trine, what you like about Trine, and, and uh, what's what's kept you rolling there with the Thunder? Um, so close proximity did play a little bit into it because I really uh, valued having my family be able to come watch me. I was looking at a few other schools, some in Wisconsin and a couple in Michigan, but it was really just the team atmosphere and um, the coaching staff that brought me here. When I came on my overnight visit, I really enjoyed it and I enjoyed the guys that were here and I thought I fit in pretty good. You're fitting in well. I mean, look at the uh, 2-0 start here this season. So uh, congratulations on that. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, the rest of your career goes as well as uh, this uh, last stance it has. Uh, that's for sure. Enjoy talking with you uh, indeed. And, uh, you know, we always get a little nervousness from schools when we have uh, underclassmen, sophomores, or freshmen join us. But uh, let the folks know that are kind of in the background walking by every so often that you did a tremendous job. <laughs> hey, right guys. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Thank you, guys. Uh, but we want to give you the opportunity, and maybe they're going to hear uh, some of their names uh, that are walking by back there uh, for shout-outs, as we do for our student-athletes uh, that join us, for any uh, teammates, friends, coaches, family members, anybody that might be watching this. Alex Price, the floor is yours here on In the Huddle. Um, obviously, want to thank my parents, Roger and Debbie Price. They supported me through everything and would do anything for me. So I support them and shout them out. And also I want to shout out my roommates, uh, Brandon Klein and uh, Kale Lawson. We all three had a really good two-game season. I had a lot of passes to them, two touchdown passes to my roommates. So that was pretty special. And just shout out the whole team, the whole defense, my especially my O-line, because they do everything for me. So I appreciate those big boys a lot. So if you throw touchdowns to your uh, roommate, uh, do they do the cleaning for that week? Is that how it works ultimately? What, what kind of benefits do you get? Uh, in, but for the NCA, not real benefits. This is just a joke, NCA. But you know, how, how does it work when uh, you throw them the touchdowns? That's a, that's a really good point. I, I haven't thought of that, but you just I might have to do something with that. But really, um, I was just really excited to uh, get those guys the opportunity. And I was I was just more happy for them that they got 
to experience their first college touchdowns and their first college catches. So I think it was just more of giving back to them in a way, if that makes sense. Absolutely does. Awesome uh, job by you uh, on the field and off the field. And uh, really do appreciate your time and everybody's time at trying for helping put this together. Uh, there is uh, one more game coming up here uh, in the MIA uh, structure, I believe. And then uh, we have the Secretary's Cup game. Not much else to talk about this season. So to get to talk about real football is uh, something you take for granted, but it's a pleasure to, uh, to exactly. do right now for us. So uh, good luck in the future, sir, and uh, make sure those roommates are watching this so that uh, they know that they didn't get their shout-outs. Yep. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Got to like Alex Price after uh, talking to him for a good 10-plus uh, minutes there, JB. Uh, he, he seems to just have that poison posture right now as a quarterback, especially after that first game. It seemed like he had a couple up-and-down moments there in that game uh, that I think he took personally that he knew maybe with the lack of practice or whatever yeah. were, were on him. But he showed up and continued to show up throughout that uh, second game, especially where they blanked Manchester. Great job by the defense. But listen, your quarterback's got to make sure that they possess that ball or score or both throughout the game to make that shutout you know, look as good as it did ultimately uh, with that big score, uh, lopsided score in there. So uh, thoughts on Alex Price and the job he's done? Yeah, I mean, he certainly uh, he benefits from the fact that he's got a strong offensive line and two strong running backs and in uh, Jones and our our favorite new um, he's like an eighties rock star Zane uh, Zane Kirby with that with that long hair um, you know he he certainly you know made the throw though that really at the end of the day you know what I what I like about uh, Price aside from him being a you know. A, a, a nice and and uh, uh, leader, young man, et cetera, et cetera, was the fact that when his team really needed him, he he made that forty-two uh, yard touchdown pass when the game was kind of in doubt, gave his team a little bit of breathing room, and you know the special teams and the defense kind of took care of uh, the rest of the game, uh, and that's what you need out of your quarterback. You may not necessarily have to you know throw for you know, uh, 300 yards or five touchdowns or have a huge completion percentage. What you need them to do is to run the offense, make the throws when you really need them to. And and that that one touchdown pass in in the Adrian game really made the difference. And and that's what you really want in, in the leader of your offense. Indeed, yeah. I mean, it was a 28-27 game. That made it 35-27 at that point with that 42-yard uh, pass to uh, Kyle Lawson. Uh, great job by him. JB, we want to go now into some news uh, that we've been talking about over the last few weeks since our last show. Um, we go from teams that are getting to play football to teams that will never get to play football again. I mean, how abrupt is that? I know, but it, it's newsworthy and it's... Something we really yeah. have to think about here uh, in terms of w- what's happening, where we go from here. Uh, I think most people know the news about Maine Maritime. Uh, we may not have discussed in the last show, probably should have. We didn't. We did cover it extensively on Twitter. Um, we uh, quoted a player uh, unnamed uh, to protect them. And one thing I'm going to say up front here is that when it comes to a situation like that, where it's a military institution, we are not going to go and try to get players in trouble uh, under those circumstances. So we wanted to talk to Maine Maritime players, and we did unofficially in chat, and we'll leave it at that. Uh, we had a pretty good quote from one of them. I think epitomized uh, the situation, and some of them uh, liked it and shared it on social media, and we appreciated that fact. Yeah. Always a risk even to do that, but you know we do appreciate it. Then 
accidental. That is a situation where, uh, what, a few years ago, uh, we encountered, uh, I think in our first year that we were doing video, uh, that yeah. Accidental was going to cease their program, at least temporarily, because they didn't have sufficient roster at that point in time. I want to say in 2017. Yep, and so they uh, wanted to work on supposedly shoring up roster and also working on getting alumni involvement up because of some failures that that program had seen over the last decade. Now, here's the catch with football, folks. The players change every four years, basically, on a cyclical basis. The administration that runs those programs doesn't. And so, at the end of the day, who do you blame for these situations that develop for a school that pretty much is a pretty well-thought-of institution in terms of Occidental out in California? I, I think their endowment's decent out there from what I remember looking at back when. But the football alumni stepped up and essentially raised or got pledges for over a four-year period well over a million dollars. Not fooling around there. Uh, about $280,000 a year was going to be uh, raised, $57,000 of which, give or take, was supposed to go to the college's at-large programs and, I guess, on a share basis that's required by the school or proposed by the school. So like 20% of that money was going to go to other sports. And they did that at least for the first couple of years. And the program was getting better. Uh, you'll see on the screen the uh, wins and losses are 2018-2019. Obviously nothing to show for it in 2020. The school decided to blame COVID and the effects of it for squelching, getting rid of, whatever you want to call it, the program, ending it. Yeah. I, I called it out as BS on Twitter. I stick by that thought because the more I researched it, the more I read, the more I saw, the more I think it's the school, not not the COVID situation as much. Sure, COVID is affecting certain schools. Please don't get me wrong Absolutely. in that. Okay, we, we've chronicled some of the schools we're concerned about out there. I'm not going to name names right now. And there will be legitimate times when this situation over the next year to two years is going to knock out more schools. It just is. The NCAA's yeah. uh, health advisor has admitted this fact. Okay, so let's get that you know prospect out of here for now to say we know that will exist. Occidental, on the other hand, this is a decade-long mismanagement in a lot of people's minds, and I see nothing that would tell me otherwise. I mean, you raise all this money, you get money for other programs through the raising of this money, and then you say, bye? And you convinced a bunch of players in 2018 and 2019 to sign up for this? For what? I mean, can you really sit there in good faith and good conscience and be okay with this right now? Maybe they're going to get a quality education that they're paying for. Don't forget, they are paying for it. But, JB, I mean, you basically... Some people feel suckered. That's, That's what we're hearing from certain people. We'll get to this in a second in their own words. But some of these students feel suckered getting brought into there and now have to make this off, awkward, awkward choice of staying there or not staying there. How did you feel when you saw this? And what do you think it's uh, being caused by exactly? 
Well, you know, I have mixed emotions about it. I mean, I, I, I've been nearby Occidental. It's in Eagle Rock, California, which is a suburb of Pasadena, not far from where I used to live in, in L.A. for uh, several, almost a decade plus, um, decade and a half. So I'm familiar with the school. This this kind of thing is would be similar if, like, Middlebury just kind of up and canceled their football program. I mean, obviously Middlebury might be a bad example because they've, they've had, they had a nine and O season. So maybe it's like um, uh, Colby or Tufts or something kind of out of the blue, but there have been some, you know, issues with the, with the roster, obviously, but Occidental is one of these very elite, um, you know, types of liberal arts, national colleges that attract students from across the country. Uh, obviously a very desirable location in Southern California, as far as weather's concerned, um, high school football in Southern California is excellent on par with where I'm living now in Florida, as far as like the kind of talent, but not necessarily every kid is either going to want to, or be able to play for USC or UCLA, or maybe some of these other, um, you know, division one or Cal state types of teams. And the students that go to a school like Occidental are going to go on to be like the, the Johns Hopkins and the MIT types of kids, um, either you know, doctors, lawyers, scientists, you know, whatever you want to call them. So, the 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 fact that they're cutting the football program um that's a potential loss of anywhere from 100 to 100 plus uh male um student enrolled students assuming they are not going to transfer or anything uh maybe that's not an issue for them there are technically or officially i mean about 60 percent of people going to college now are not men. <laughs> so, um, you know, maybe this is something that Occidental is okay with. Uh, we certainly will see that there are a number of players at that school and many others that are of color, of different ethnic backgrounds. They are AKA not white. Um, what does that mean for them? Um, you know, and their families and their, uh, you know, educational opportunities. Um, I mean, obviously they're not there on a scholarship. They could be on an academic scholarship, but they obviously love football. And part of their decision to attend was based on that. Now that's gone. Um, you know, uh, it's it's a tough situation all, all around. I feel bad for especially for uh, the seniors who not only have lost their uh, potential senior seasons, pretty much gone. You know, period. I mean, for the maybe for the freshmen and sophomores, yeah, if they want to transfer to um, you know some of the other SkyX schools or some somewhere else on the West Coast, or maybe you know transfer back east if they. You know, had had you know moved cross country to go to college in California, they'll have the opportunity to do that without really any ramifications to their eligibility. Uh, but it's still for probably some of the local Southern California kids that really wanted to stay home, get an excellent ed- education, tee themselves up for you know a, a great career um, in California. After the fact, you know they they'll be fine because they're going to get a degree from a great school, assuming they stay. Um, but even if they transfer, you know the the whole thing just it's it's unfortunate we sort of saw the writing in the wall three years ago here we are three years ago we attempted to reach out to the administration to discuss what was going on at that point in time they refused to come on camera with us at that point in time we did offer uh, their head coach an opportunity as well to come on he did not respond to our inquiry however we did reach out to football players who technically are not 
any longer accidental football players. So this is one of those situations where how do we handle it? We want to get their stories out there. And so we reached out on social media to see if they wanted to give their side of what they're feeling right now in their own words. Here is a segment that we're going to turn to from time to time when we have news like this from schools and we're allowed to do this or when we feel it's prudent or we're able to do that. And in this case, we feel prudent and able to do it because what what's stopping it? It, it? They announce it's done. They're no longer football players at Occidental as far as we are concerned in honoring that fact. This is Occidental's football program in their own words. Hi, my name is Kyler. Uh, I am the kicker, or was the kicker, for the Occidental College football team, um, class of 2022. Uh, when I first stepped onto Patterson Field at Occidental College in 2018, it was with the knowledge that my teammates and I were embarking on a four-year plan to restart the historic Oxy football program. We're an extremely young team, often more than eight or so freshmen uh, on the field at once. Um, then we, we grew into our second year and two years into our ground up rebuilding, we were just blindsided last week when the administration informed us that they had decided to get rid of Oxy football for completely unclear reasons. My teammates and I have worked so hard to jump through every hoop and do every possible uh, action to transform this program. Um, we recruited hard, uh, alumni and boosters raised over a million dollars. We continue to fundraise. We transformed the culture of the team and we helped give back to the, our community's uh, school. Uh, our team is so much more than just football players. We're on student government and choir and dance teams. Uh, we're running gr groundbreaking science labs and organizing students groups. Uh, we're founding now nonprofits to serve the community. We promote the college like nobody else. We're more diverse than the school we represent cost the college no more than any other sport per athlete and yet our brand new president decided to cut our historic program without having ever uh, spoken to a single oxy football player i would never take back these incredible two years i've had with my teammates and coaches at oxy um, but i i feel like i've absolutely been um, stabbed in the back by administration um, at, at a school i've given so much to um, it, it hurts. Um, it, you know, we're, we're all sitting in our own homes far away from each other, you know, crying because it's the end of the road. Um, but, uh, like there's not much we can do about it. Um, I don't, I don't know what the future looks like for any of us, but we're going to be split across the country. Um, and that makes me really sad that my, my team, my community is being torn apart. Hi, my name is Nathan Bradder. I'm a junior at Occidental. I played right tackle for Oxy football. My number is 56. Um, my reaction to the program being shut down is that I'm very disappointed in this decision. I believe that administration has completely discounted all the efforts of the football team and coaches over the past two years really to better this program and bring it from the ground up again. Also, disregarding the alumni's efforts to fundraise and really support this team in the best way possible when it was at its lowest so that it could become what it once was again and it's really disappointing that we're not able to finish it but it's time to move forward and you know what it is what it is but really disappointed in the decision and it's really changing a lot of lives 
How's it going guys? My name is Justin Martinez. I'm a, I was a uh, junior defensive lineman on the Occidental football team before they abruptly decided to uh, cancel the program in its entirety. Um, my current mindset towards the situation is that Occidental is really doing a disservice to the community that it uh, aims to empower or it claims to aim to empower. Um, I think it is an atrocity because it now disperses the most uh, racially and socioeconomically diverse uh, group of student athletes in an already predominantly white institution. And it basically tells them to either look elsewhere or to give up their athletic career, which they work so hard for. What's good? My name is JT Tinsley, former outside linebacker. I'm a member of the 2020 Occidental College class, number 24. Um, I actually came to Oxy from Atlanta, Georgia, in order to change the trajectory of my life, but also my family's. So when I first figured out the news, I was quite literally devastated. I do not feel like the administration understands the extent to which it has closed the door of opportunity for so many young men like me that would not have been presented with the opportunity if not for Oxy football, right? Oxy already doesn't get a lot of public school kids, right? So without football, Oxy looks over my school as it always does, public schools that it doesn't deem good enough, right? So, you know, it's one thing to make a decision and stand by that decision. It's another thing to lie about why you made that decision in the first place. I just want the truth uh, and I want to be heard. Thank you. We uh, asked them to be honest and, uh, you know, to you know, at least uh, be, you know, respectful of the fact we're a family show, but at the same time, be honest about right. it. And uh, some definite emotion and some anger and upset. And, you know, the one thing I will say that we got from the discussions back and forth uh, when they were asking us what we were, uh, you know, looking for, quote unquote, in terms of what they could do to be a part of this show tonight or today uh, was essentially... You know, just how much of a family they still are as that team. Uh, you know, a bunch of them were jumping into a direct message conversation with us in real time. Uh, just, you know, more and more they wanted their story out there and asking us what they could do. And it was a big family there. And to lose that family in that situation, my heart breaks for these guys. It really does. Uh, this is not yeah. the result that you want. Main Maritime, same thing. Now, granted, Main Maritime does have the military connection, yeah. ultimately. You don't really have that same secondary connection or primary connection if you really want to um, in a situation like this with Occidental, like they do there, and for any school that disbands their football program, ultimately. It's just, it's a devastating situation. You play Division three football for the love of the game, for the family, etc. And to have that basically blow up in your face while you're attending, especially, there are no words for it, ultimately. So our hearts do go out to the Occidental football family. Okay, you saw it there. It is time for On the Road, and uh, this is going to be a reoccurring segment again uh, over the next weeks uh, as I do uh, finally get on the road. I was feeling a little under the weather, nothing COVID-related, uh, folks, don't worry. But uh, 
we we went only slightly down the road in this case, like down Route 50 <laughs> to near Route 7 eventually to Union Street. Uh, but th- it was fitting because, as we said earlier, my start in broadcasting was 25 years ago, the day this is being released, October 21st, doing a Union game, the second half of it with Greg Kalish. So it was good to get to see the folks over at Union College. Wanted to talk about yeah. how COVID is affecting them and, you know, what's sort of at play right now in terms of them practicing and whether they think the school's gotten it right or not, essentially. They're not looking to be negative about it, but they just shared their feelings. And they, in this case, um, we have an offensive player and a defensive player you've seen on this show before. We have senior quarterback Will Bellamy and senior linebacker Colin Lama join us. We did get to the question of, hey, guys, are you coming back in 2021 in the fall? Because the spring's not going to affect their eligibility no matter what happens in it because you're not going to play more than five games. Are you coming back? I was kind of surprised by the uh, answer. Not that we didn't see some of it in social media, but the definitiveness of yes or no on that answer. Here comes that interview. Well, it's a first for me, guys. My first interview wearing a mask here, and uh, that's just a little microcosm of the 2020 football season or what's left of it. Uh, we have Will Bellamy, Colin Lama. Guys, you are practicing. This is where I grabbed you tonight, although it's a little inclement to be outside uh, in the rain. But how does it feel, Will, to be out there practicing right now? Did you expect to be doing that when we came back to school here? Yeah, you know, me and Coach Berman had talked about it um, when we were home quarantining, about just what the plans are going to look like in the fall. Um, it's it's for sure been very good to get back on the football field, seeing what these freshmen can do, and, and moving forward to another historical season here at Union College. Colin, uh, you know, coming into your senior season coming up as well, but you know, after that success and everything, did it hurt to see this fall season go by the wayside? And what are you going to do if, especially, let's say, if spring football doesn't get played, you're going to have choices to make, obviously. What, what has been your thinking in this way? Yeah, I mean, it definitely sucks because we got buddies who we came in with since freshman year who aren't going to continue to play. So that obviously sucks. But, you know, we're excited to, we're excited to be out here, honestly. And I know for Bellamy and me, we're, we're ready to go if spring ball doesn't happen. We're ready to go next year ready to finish what we started and uh, looking to make a deep run. So you're basically telling me that fall 2021, when we come back for another season of, uh, in the huddle, I'm going to still see you guys uh, most likely. Yeah, you yeah. can lock that in. Yeah, 100%. We're coming too. Yeah, 100%. There you go. Guys, uh, what is different? Obviously, there's a lot different, but kind of give me some details about what uh, they're doing to make sure you guys are staying safe beyond the obvious right now. Yeah, you know, we get tested weekly um, in the field house right there. and. Honestly, we're just, as leaders, we're just trying to make sure that everybody's following the rules, not, not going out of their way to do anything stupid. And kind of just, the only thing we can really do is do school. We have the opportunity to practice football and, and hang out with the people you live with, honestly. Yeah, exactly. Colin, uh, kind of elaborate on that a little bit to the degree you can. I mean, testing-wise, is it a frequent occurrence on this campus? Yeah. And masks and social distancing, what else is there? Yeah, I mean, we, we get tested every week. We don't, we don't party. We don't do anything. It's, you come on campus, you wear a mask. Like, like me and Will don't live together, so I barely see him. This is the only time I see him, really. It's crazy, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. Grades got to be through the roof, though, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Life has become a little simple uh, this fall term. 
Well, there's a question. Some people uh, would ask, uh, you know, RPI, for instance, not to name names, but uh, I know that they've got things kind of shut down down the road there compared to what Union's doing. Uh, Trine played football on the uh, flip side of it. What do you think overall of the Union approach? I, I know you don't want to be, you know, negative about the situation, but, you know, is the Union approach something that you feel is common throughout the country right now from people that you went to school with? And what would you rate it ultimately for what we're going through? Yeah, I think our school is doing a very good job. Um, President Harris has come in here and he set a great foundation and a lot of our students have bought into his plan. Um, we're a small school. RPI has a lot more students than us, but ultimately we've, we've been a model for how to handle the pandemic um, the right way. And, and we're moving forward to, to keep these coronavirus numbers low. Yeah, I mean, we, they have a plan and they stuck to it and, it, and it's working. I mean, I don't, there's no reason for us not to be here with the plan that they have in motion. It, like, it's per I, I think it's perfect and it works, clearly. Did you ever consider not coming back physically to campus? Was it an option at all for uh, Union students, uh, for those that don't know out there? Honestly, the guys that, well, football had a lot to do with the, the situation at hand. Uh, we were trying to figure out, you know, it costs a lot of money to go to a liberal arts school like Union. So we, we were trying to figure out, okay, are we going to have to take classes off? We're going to have to take a term off so we can use those credits for next fall. Um, but me and the captains and the guys coming back, we, we figured it out with coach and the administration and we're glad to be back on campus and, and out of the house with our parents. Guys, this show is going to air on what is my 25th anniversary of my first Union College football broadcast in nice. 1995. Nice. So, thank you, congrats. appreciate that. I'm not saying that for the congrats so much as <laughs> we want to celebrate a little bit. Uh, we talk about the fact that why I do it, Division Three, what it means to me and JB as well. Give me your best D3 football memory that you guys each have. And if it's both Case Western Reserve, I will accept that. But at the same time, Colin, uh, this is your fourth year here. Give me your best memory of the familyhood or what Division Three football has allowed you to really enjoy here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Like we, we're we're such a tight knit group of kids here. Like group of guys, it's crazy. Like it, when when this was happening, I don't think we had any concern about coming back. Like that, we we knew we were coming back. And I'd say my favorite memory was when Jack Riley at RPI had the football and threw, <laughs> and threw it on the roof. I'd say that was my favorite memory and uh, looking to make some more next year. RPI's viewership is just going down during this show. Yeah, uh, right sorry now. about that. Uh, what about you as well? Um, my favorite memory. Whew. Man. Or why D3 in general? Uh, I think D3 is one of the most special opportunities that um, football can provide for, for a young athlete. Uh, you know, sure, some kids go to the NFL and, and end up being successful at that level, but at the Division Three level, you, you're here because you have a passion for the game. Uh, you know, it's not about scholarships, it's not about fame and, and credentials. It's you want to play ball, and, and the tight knit group that Lama talks about, it's a brotherhood, mm -hmm. and and that's why we decided to come back ultimately. Got to feel bad for the guys out in Occidental uh, losing their program, a Maritime, same thing. But uh, you guys, uh, this is just a temporary respite for mm -hmm. you guys. Final question, of course, guys, your families, I know, are big fans of our show. So if you don't get them in the shout outs, I will never hear the end of it. <laughs> Start with you, Colin. Go ahead with your shout outs. Mom, what's going on? I'm sure you'll be watching this. You'll be excited. Mimi, hello. See you guys soon. 
There you go. Well, um, I'd like to shout out my family back home, especially my St. Thomas More Cougars who just came off of a big win at Catholic High Baton Rouge. Go Cougars. And I want to give a shout out to my great grandmother who's struggling right now. You know, the hurricanes have been devastating in Louisiana for the past couple months. And not only did her house flood, but she's in the hospital right now, uh, struggling with some health issues. So I'll give you a shout out and, and continue to be strong and keep fighting. Got to be tough with the uh, disease and people not being able to visit their loved ones and everything else and you in uh, school. So special shout out there. Shout out to both of their families for being such fans of ours here on In the Huddle. Guys, and shout out to JB. What's up, my brother? JB? JB! Guys, thanks a lot. Yeah. Thank you. I'll tell you, JB, they love you. They love you out there. Bellamy stopped the entire interview to make sure he gave you that shout out. All right. <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, what would you think about uh, their definitiveness to say, yeah, we're coming back and everything else essentially about kind of wanting to keep this family alive because they don't get to see each other other than these more infrequent practice sessions, more infrequent compared to a normal season? Yeah, no, I think uh, I, I thought that their, you know, candor and honesty was great. Um, I mean, I, you know, it was kind of funny. I think he might have, you know, sort of thought – about it a second later like oh wait maybe i shouldn't have said that it sucks but colin's right this whole thing sucks and the, it, it let's be honest about it so hey uh i i love that um that statement and I, I love the fact that these guys are finding ways um along with the you know coaching staff and and everybody else at union to to try and kind of get back to normal i mean being being safe being responsible you know, following the guidelines. I mean, you know, the whole thing with the how the state of New York has managed this is a whole another story for a different show, probably something on CNN or Fox News or whatever. But um, I think that, you know, people like President Harris, who we, we had on um, earlier in, in the year and, and just as, as things were sort of, you know, in the early stages, um, you know, this is what we want to see from people in higher education, that they're figuring out ways to make things work, to have plans in place, to set up um, safe, but still um, kind of realistic, to get back to real life stuff for people who really aren't as at risk as other people in the community and to set things up in a way that, you know, should anything go awry, that it can be handled quickly and, and not put the community at risk. I think the I think unions on the right track, and that's that's a lot of compliments from a Hobart guy for <laughs> college. <laughs> well, you talked about the coaching staff. Let's talk to the head of that coaching staff, and that is head coach Jeff Behrman. Talked about you know just how to mentally keep this team in the ball game after the season they had in 2019. That's no small feat under the circumstances we're facing. It's any team that had a good 2019 yeah. that has a lot of players back. How do you how do you handle? Or do you have everybody coming back or not? I mean, these are real time conversations still going on at this point. And what about the spring? Is the spring a reality or not a reality? Does anybody care that much? He gives an interesting answer to my question coming up here. Okay, Coach Jeff Behrman. Coach Jeff Behrman, uh, you know, talking to the guys a little bit. It's obviously a tough situation that uh, the team seems to be adjusting to with the COVID situation. You and I have talked throughout the summer and everything with the hopes of maybe playing 
maybe in the spring now. We'll get to that in a second. But the fall, when you kind of realized where we were going to be at and you knew that the facilities would still be open here at Union, what did you do at that point? What did you assemble for them to make sure that they stayed fresh and together as a team? Yeah, we, uh, you know, with, with uh, our head athletic trainer, Cheryl Rockwood, you know, she, she really you know, went through the NCA guidelines and everything to, to make sure we were doing things correctly with the, the pods and how many people and spacing and things like that. So, you know, the first couple weeks, the first week on campus, we did nothing, actually. It was just more of acclimate yourself to the classes, to the schedule, to, you know, to, to the new normal, so to speak, on a college campus. Uh, and the guys did great with that. And then we, uh, the two weeks after that, you know, the focus really going in as uh, a coaching staff was to spend as much time you know, uh, lifting weights as possible and, and maybe a little less time on the field. So we're, right now we're, we're lifting three days a week and we're, uh, we're on the field twice a week. Um, the first two weeks that we were lifting, though, it was all outside um, uh, here in the, on, on the field, basically. Uh, just trying to keep the social distancing, stay out of uh, the weight room indoors, that sort of thing. And then, uh, you know, just a couple weeks ago, we were able to get indoors and, and, and get into smaller pods and to be able to, uh, to actually lift weights, be in a squat rack, and, and do those types of activities. So with all this said, there's this prospect of spring football for some conferences. Uh, we have not heard if the Liberty League is going to definitively pursue it. We've seen some other conferences say yes on it. I, what's your thought or hope at this point? Would you like to see some level of spring engagement uh, competition-wise? Or do you think it's one of those, if it happens, it happens, whatever? I'm more in the if it happens, it happens type of thing. I mean, they're, they're still trying to figure out winter sports right now, let alone, you know, I know you got to plan and you got you to figure things out uh, moving forward, you know, but, uh, but you know, right now, uh, you know, I'm, I, we'll just continue to control what we can control. And, you know, if, uh, if we're going to play in the spring, we'll, we'll prepare um, to compete then. The players like Will, Colin, others, uh, you know, there's that question of whether they're going to come back. You've got seniors mm -hmm. all over the place on this team. Uh, those guys have made the guarantee to us here on the show, at mm -hmm. least they're going to be back in fall 2021 because you're not going to exceed the five games no matter what in the spring it looks right. like. Uh, but there may be others that aren't in that camp, not asking you to name names, but mm -hmm. what is the balance right now overall? Yeah, I'd say, uh, you know, these are unique situations and, and they're individual, you know, situations that, that families have to think about and deal with. And, you know, the perspective of some guys having jobs already and, and going on and, and moving on with their life. I mean, some not, guys not have... Not forbid they were going to be professionals. Correct, so. correct. You know, but, you know, some of those guys have made those decisions that they're going to move on and, and, uh, and just, you know, pursue the, the, uh, the career route, uh, which I totally support and understand. Um, and, you know, and then there's other guys that are still kind of, you know, trying to feel it out to see what it would take to be able to get the extra year in, you know, financial aid one, uh, two, uh, their, their academic calendar, you know, when are the classes that they need to graduate? Can they defer a term? So there's a lot of that still going on right now. Uh, and then there's the guys that have said, yeah, I'm doing it no matter what. For you personally, I was talking to you on the phone a few weeks ago. You were in Maryland with your son, who's a lacrosse player. Uh, has this has been a strange fall for you. We, we heard Ralph Isernia at RPI lament about it before the season even started when they first made the announcement at RPI of how different this would be for him personally after all these decades. For you, what's it been like? Yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely different. Obviously, the, the grind of, you know, game to game, you know, day to day in terms of in-season 
preparation, those types of things. Uh, you know, here on campus, it's it's been, you know, we're, we're with our guys as much as we are allowed to be. Um, you know, we do things throughout campus to, to help support the initiatives of the college with uh, the testing center and, and having activities uh, on campus so that we can monitor facilities and things like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, the weekends are freed up a little bit more right now, right? So you got a little more family time and, you know, I've, uh, I've been able to, uh, you know, to, to, to do some things with my, my wife and my son that normally I wouldn't have done. We went to an apple orchard this Sunday. I've never been to an apple orchard in my life. Really? So yeah, never. So uh, we incredible. did that for the first time. It was good. So, okay, let, let's look at the kind of uh, elephant in the room type question. You had a phenomenal season last year, no doubt about it, undefeated and, uh, you know, beat Case Western Reserve in the comfort behind playoff game. Salisbury put up epic numbers, at least uh, on that scoreboard, mm -hmm. but he's put up a little bit more than you. How do you now, with this gap year, let's call it, regain that momentum, pick up where you left off? Let's say this year's a total wash. Mm -hmm. How do you mentally get this team to stay where they were, mentally and physically, but even the mental, I think, is, is important, if not more important, in a scenario like this. How do you do it at this point? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a work in progress right now. You know, we're all trying to navigate this new normal right now, and, and we don't know where it's going to go from this point. But uh, we're doing what we can do right now. That's what I'll say. You know, we're, we're on the field out here, um, you know, twice a week, you know, for an hour and 15 minutes with the offense, hour and 15 minutes with the defense. We've, we've yet and we will not go uh, both, you know, sides of the ball on the field at one time just for social distancing purposes and, and uh, just trying to keep our entire – campus community safe uh, we're asking you know the, the campus not to social distance so you know it, it doesn't really make sense for us to be out here doing things that you know the administration is asking everybody else to do yep. so you know we're just trying to keep the guys focused in I, I tell you what the energy uh, they're 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 into it right now you know they, they love being here on campus they love you know being on the on the field practicing and being around each other um, you know and then I think it, it just continues to be uh, strong senior leadership as well. I think that was something that I, I really pointed to last year, that strong senior leadership was a big factor in our success. And I think it will continue to be. I think at any, any level uh, of sport uh, organization, you know, the leadership from, your, from within is really, really critical. My 25th uh, anniversary of broadcasting union football is the day this mm -hmm. releases, uh, 21st Wednesday. Uh, so the uh, question we're asking all the guys and you now is kind of a YD3 type of question because, you know, I've been around Division Three that entire time. YD3 or what's your best memory of Division Three so far? What what makes it so special to you being in Division Three? Yeah, I was a Division Three player, you know, and uh, so so being, being at Union College as the head coach, uh, you know, I really love the balance that it that it provides the student athlete. You know, it really allows you to have the best experience you possibly can have. You know, you can balance your academics, your athletics, and your social life, and get the most out of it. And uh, I think that's the biggest thing with Division Three. Is it is it uh, is it dedication? Is it commitment? Is it serious? Absolutely. Um, but uh, but I, I think uh, you can experience a lot more to your college life and your experience at this level. I think you've enjoyed it a little bit the last couple of years, yeah. especially as uh, this team is rebuilt uh, into uh, somebody that the East is watching carefully, if not the entire nation. So congratulations to you on that. Congratulations on keeping this team together right now, yeah. too. That's a challenge, I know, and we'll see where this uh, road leads to. Any last thoughts? No, really happy you're here. Excited that you're here. You know, Thank we've you. talked a lot on the phone, as you said, on summertime, just trying to get thoughts from each other and stuff. But uh, 
look, you know, we'll, we'll continue to navigate this all together. Um, what you guys do for Division Three football is uh, is tremendous. Thank you. Uh, really, really appreciate that, you and JB. And uh, you know, hopefully, we'll be uh, we'll be on the field playing next year. I'll be here. You know, we're gonna okay. if we were gonna ever put it up after this year type of idea. Well, that got delayed by a year. <laughs> Not saying we were, folks, but uh, we will be back, no doubt. And thank you very much. Good luck to you. Thanks, Frank. Appreciate it. So thanks to uh, Coach Beerman. Uh, the one thing, uh, as I teased uh, before, you know, he, he kind of had that, well, whatever happens, happens attitude about the spring. I don't think... That's a football it, coach. Yeah, well, but I don't think a lot of people have a lot of faith yet that spring football is happening. Uh, you know, we've seen some conferences come up with their schedules. We have not seen one, I don't believe, yeah. in the Liberty League at this point. So, no. you know... It, we've, it, seen, we've seen lots of the OAC, the PAC, um, ASC. the MIA in Michigan, the ASC uh, yep. with Mary Harden Baylor. Uh, but, I, I mean, Coach Behrman, you know, typical uh, – not typical. He's obviously, you know, a very excellent football coach. But, you know, Kevin DeWall would have said the same thing if, if asked the same question from, you know, Hobart um, – or any 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 coach in, in Division Three is basically like we can only control what we can control, and so Coach Perriman's not going to worry about the what ifs. He's just going to do his. You know, it's going to be like the Bill Belichick: do your do your job. He's going to try to you know teach uh, the team that he has. You know his his philosophy, his program, the offense, the defense, etc. Get them in shape, and if an opportunity happens where they can play a game or some games in the spring. Great. If not, hey, well, we'll plan to the fall. That's, I think, how f- football coaches honestly operate. They're not worried about, you know, what if or what may or this and that happen. They just do what's right in front of them and take care of business. Yeah, I, I think he's got the right mindset overall. Uh, just to be comprehensive in our uh, recaps and summaries here, um, there is concern, uh, in, I'm not talking about from uh, him necessarily, but across uh, Division Three right now. Uh, we have lost the NESCAC, the NCAC, uh, and also now uh, the SUNYAC in terms of college basketball yeah. and winter sports and uh, Swarthmore for winter and spring sports. Uh, it is becoming abundantly apparent that we are sitting essentially in the mid-July version of football for college basketball and winter sports right now. It will happen at a slower Absolutely. pace than we saw with football because there's just more conferences at play when you get to those other sports. But understand that the dominoes are beginning to fall for the winter sports in Division Three. And the thing I kept hearing over the last couple of days as I talked to people about this is something that we actually preached on the show and on our social media. Nothing's changed. The, those are the words that I got hit with multiple times from people that even didn't even hear us say that necessarily. Nothing's changed in terms of the NCAA guidelines or requirements ultimately. The testing costs are still there. The uh, test by Abbott Labs, the $5, 15-minute test that was touted in the latest guidance by the NCAA is not generally available. Nobody can get a contract for it at Division Three. it sounds like. Division One schools can't get a contract for those tests yet. And so if you're going to be forced to test three times a week for college basketball, you're going to be paying out the nose still for that testing. It's not going to happen. Literally. And then the, yeah, good point. And then the uh, liability issues on top of that are, I've, I've avoided that so far. I only had an antibodies test, and I, I'm, I'm kind of happy about this, but eventually we have to try to get one, I think, just to see what the heck everybody's talking about. Um, but 
the um, liability issues have not gone away. Nothing's changed there. And these schools yep. are saying to themselves, why are we going to risk it? The thing that's going to happen, March Madness will happen because the NCAA needs it to happen. Financially, they need it. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're already having furloughs. Show sure me the money. Else. And also yeah. a lot of forced retirements and possibly other layoffs in the NCAA head offices in uh, Indi- Indianapolis. So understand March Madness has to happen for the NCAA or we got some bigger problems coming up here than you and I want to realize. But for Division Three yeah. and even Division Two, I don't have much good news to tell anybody. And that carries over to the idea of spring football. If they're not playing college basketball division three how are they going to justify spring football you know which is technically going to be a partial overlap on the schedule there for every reason you wouldn't play basketball you wouldn't play football in the spring either and so yeah not not all decisions that you hear that are positive are going to remain positive with respect to this sorry about that well, I mean, I'm obviously a football guy first, but if anything, you know, if it comes down to prioritization or what have you, the spring sports, like the the baseball, the lacrosse, uh, track and field, if there is going to be a spring season, all of those deserve first priority over football and all the fall and or winter sports because they already got canceled. They had, you know, lacrosse season had what, like four or five games and, and they put that away. Baseball, the same thing. Um, so if, if there is a way and, and maybe it will come with some type of vaccine or, or some good news, probably after the election conveniently, you know, one way or another. Um, although I do believe a vaccine is probably realistically more like a six or eight month type of thing. Um, at this at this stage realistically and then well at least for everybody to, that's going to get it to get it i i think it will be yeah. out in december ish uh, but not everybody's not nearly anybody is going to be able to get it at that point so if right. for, for what you need the vaccine to do to get back to normal life i think you're absolutely right you're at an eight month type of time frame which means we'll be fine for fall 2021 college football but you're going to say yeah, I'm going to say that, you know, if there is a chance to have some spring sports like lacrosse, for instance, those guys deserve to play. They've already had one season canceled. If they cancel on them again, I mean, can you imagine if you were a sophomore in college last spring, you lost your whole sophomore season and then you're like, OK, maybe I get my junior. Nope, you get your junior season. I mean, how long can you stay in college for? It's it's, it's ridiculous. So at some point, I think if there is going to be a spring season, the absolute priority has to be the spring sports that lost their opportunity already. I, mean, I, I love D3 football. I want to see it back on, you know, not just in, in, in Michigan or Indiana or uh, Ohio, like we, like we had the last couple of weeks, but um, yeah, at the end of the day, there are, there are a group of kids who already lost out. They deserve a chance to, if there is going to be some kind of spring season, they should be at first in line. Yeah, I, I agree with you uh, in that respect. Look, covering the uh, interviews I did f- at Union was the first time I've covered a sports event of any sort or a sports situation on the road since March 7th when I was at Springfield, uh, when Hobart beat Springfield uh, in the NCAA uh, months, college basketball. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it seems <laughs> like yesterday in some ways, but also it seems like a hell of a road that we had to go down. It's like to get 30 through. weeks. 
crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've had a lot of shows in the meantime, and I can remember almost every one of them, and then all the changing developments and everything else. It, this has been a tiring process for all of us. It still is one. I mean, it was nice to talk football in this show, uh, you know, with uh, Alex and even uh, Union a little bit. It's really nice to talk a little bit of the X's and O's or what's happening and everything else, but look, there are schools like RPI that aren't even doing what Union's doing. We've highlighted that fact, and I'm not saying that to be yeah. mean to RPI. They have their reasons for doing what they're doing. Oh, yeah, it's right down do the street. Yeah, it's right down the street from Union when you think about it, and yet the, there are yeah. remarkable differences in the two approaches by these schools. But then trying in, mm-hmm. you know, Indiana is uh, pretty much saying, well, you know, COVID be damned, I guess, uh, to a certain degree. We're going to test hard. We're going to do everything we need to do, and we're going to play football still. We're going to find a way. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting ride, to say the least. Let's hope the last two games get played. It's, I believe, uh, Bluffton's homecoming game. So uh, even though they never yeah, left, that's the interesting thing about the thing. The funny thing about Bluffton is that they actually canceled their game with Trine because they basically weren't allowed to leave the state of Ohio. But apparently, it's okay for a team <laughs> from um, from Michigan to go yep. to them. So, but, you know, going back to, not to go too much down the rabbit hole, uh, we're obviously on a Facebook um, kind of platform. The hardest thing for me these last, like, six weeks, Frank, is that every weekend I get the pop-up of, like, oh, one year ago, and there's our show, and we're interviewing a coach or a player. And then the next weekend, oh, here's a show that we where we talked about. And I'm thinking back, like, Oh man, you know, I just miss the the ebb and flow of the seasons, kind of seeing the game, seeing, you know, meeting these new student athletes, meeting these coaches, and it's like every every weekend is like Ugh. <laughs> this sucks, well, man. <laughs> I was when I was a union, I got to see our uh, head athletic trainer uh, Cheryl Rockwood, who I've known for my entire twenty five years uh, involved there. She's been there for I think over 32, 33 years. She said. And wow. uh, Pete Brown, defensive uh, former defensive coordinator, uh, he's still on staff. I, I always forget what his uh, official position is right now, but he's still uh, assistant coach there. Uh, was talking about the idea that right now we'd be sitting in basically week six, week seven of the season, and we. Yeah. I said, yeah, we're about three and a half weeks short of selection Sunday right now, and that's yeah. that's just kind of scary that we've kind of just Surreal. meandered our way through a Division three football season without Division three football. We're talking about the first games of the season in week six, week seven. You know, obviously we're a little delayed on a couple of them earlier, but it yeah. sort of, this aspect of it flew by. The first X number of months was like hell on earth in so many different ways, yeah. but especially just trying to do this show. And we're not to bore you folks, but look, we want football. We really do. I want to go uh, turn to a message we got. I don't want to name names because I didn't ask his permission to do it, but I think it's a great thing, and I'd love to hear our viewers get behind it. And uh, we're going to ask you to message us on Twitter if you are willing to get behind it. Uh, the message went like this. Hey, Frank, hope you're doing well. I'd like to propose something to you. Your strong ability for critical thinking, obviously they don't know me that well, and both of our strong writing skills, again, uh, we should petition the NCAA to hold pro days that were canceled last year. 120-ish schools and who knows how many kids lost their shot. We should be the ones to write this wrong or at least try 
If you're interested, let's collaborate. I think right here, I'd love to start the collaboration by making sure that we get enough people that want to share their voice with us. So message us, let us know that you want to do that, that you want to sign off on something like this. And if there, we get enough people, we'll figure out a way, a vehicle to do it with this uh, player here. I know they're one of them that didn't get the opportunity. I know plenty of the guys that didn't get the opportunity that would love the chance at least to try to showcase themselves because, look, the NFL had a kind of helter-skelter uh, you know, draft scenario and undrafted free agent scenario and everything else. There may right. be room. There may be room in rosters, and then the other minor leagues that are out there may have some room, too, to come out and see these players. Let's see what the NCAA is willing to do here and, you know, try to make good on something that wasn't their fault. None of this is their fault. You want to blame politicians? Go ahead all day, every day if you really want to. At the end of the day, the people suffering are the people that get COVID and get sick and the people that lose things along the way because of the shutdowns and everything else that we've experienced, like those players that had opportunities for possible pro situations with pro days. So let's see, you know, I'm at Frank Rossi, it's on the screen, JB's at D3FB Huddle. If you support that idea, tweet at us, DM us, let us know, and we'll get something together with this player. Final thoughts, sir. Final thoughts. Um, Well, happy anniversary, Frank. That's a pretty uh, pretty crazy run. Um, That's 25 years. I mean, I know I'm a little, little... a little bit older and so you know but Wiser. i wasn't in in really like in the booth um but yeah i mean that's a that's a long run and uh, you know I, i'm glad that uh you know you and i crossed paths when we did and that we're decade now into this crazy thing um and you know we're, we're still we're still at it even though we're kind of in the strangest scenario that i could have ever possibly imagine if you told me that this was going to happen um even in january or february of this year i would have been like oh come on no way but uh you know we're making the best of it jb you know 10 years ago uh somebody uh tried to hack at me for my uh, sexuality they learned of uh my sexuality at that point in time before i was ready to you know even talk about it and it really doesn't belong in the context of what we do but it it happened and uh somebody actually approached d3football.com and said that I should have been fired from working with their site as a contributor uh, because of my sexuality 10 years ago. Uh, In the meantime, I got involved. That obviously didn't happen. Uh, But in the meantime, I got more deeply involved in different aspects of football. But I look back to 10 years ago and I ask myself, what would have happened if that person got their way? What would have happened to the stuff that we have done subsequent to that period 10 years ago would have would it have even happened i'm not saying i'm the biggest contributor in the world to division three or to sports but at the same time would we have lost something if they got their way 10 years later i'm fighting a similar fight in uh the flag football world about just you know having political views ultimately and how i voice those at times it's it's just weird that you know somebody who is very far right and some people who are very far left are trying to basically paint me as something around sports, which is my sanctuary, my refuge, essentially, away from those types of things. And that's mm-hmm. my point I'd like to leave everybody with tonight. We've got an election coming up where people are going out of their freaking minds, literally, social media and otherwise. We all have to learn to 
understand views and beliefs are views and beliefs. People have a different priority set when they look at candidates and everything else. And it doesn't mean that yours is any better than mine or JB's or anybody else's. We have our priority set for our own reasons in our lives. And we understand that. If you can't understand that, that's a problem. But if you can, then you have to remember that makes us all human and all equal at the end of the day to make that decision, to have the freedom to make our choice, and to leave that at the voting booth and come out intact without getting attacked or basically, in a situation like mine, a risk that we are going to be taken out from something where we give our passion, our time, our resources to help other people in. That's the thing. Don't attack people the way that you may see others doing right now. Don't make that the norm because you could cost people in the long run something special. This show is something special. If I was knocked out, this show probably wouldn't have existed because you know, a certain level of what we do here is I'm producing this show. If I was taking out flag football, yeah. there's a I, tournament I, I help out with, same thing. <laughs> yep. Look, I try to I try to contribute as much as I can to everything I do. And you know what? There are a lot of other people in similar situations in this world. Please, as we go forward here in the next month, not just in Division Three or anything else, but just in life in general, take a step back, take a deep breath, and remember we're all human beings at the end of the day. Let's do better toward each other so that we don't risk losing special things in our lives. 25 years strong, plan to go another, how many, I don't know, but let's keep things like this alive and other positive resources out there unaffected from something as crazy as just political beliefs because somebody wants to vote for somebody in this world. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. We'll see you soon, folks. Uh, Secretary's Cup coming up in a few weeks. We'll have some more information about that on our social media, and we'll also figure out a, a coverage strategy as we get more information from uh, Merchant Marine Academy about uh, what the possibilities are for that. So we will work on that and see you soon. Thanks for all of your support and love over the last 25 years, over the last 12 years of the show, and we will see you soon.